Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. You know, I, I had um, a great privilege of being raised as a Christian. Not everyone has that, that opportunity, and I'm very, very thankful for that. It wasn't always easy, but I always praise God for that opportunity. And one of the things that I was raised with, my mum used to say to me all the time, Susie, two wrongs don't make a right. She didn't quite say it quite like that. It was, that sounded more like my nana, actually. But that's what my mum used to say to me. Two wrongs don't make right. And you know what? That stuck with me. It still has stuck with me, especially when my brother had done something to me that was wrong and that was unfair. And then I would do something in return because that was fair. It made it equal. My two wrongs don't make a right. It's so true, isn't it? And um, one of the things that she always and she still to this day says is she teaches us the golden rule of Christianity. Does everybody know what the golden rule is? Yes, no, it's in the Sermon of Mount. There's a clue. Matthew 7, 12. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Who knows that's not always easy? Who knows we don't always get that right, do we? There's all sorts of things out there because as we do to others as we want them to do to us, they don't do the same thing back, do they? No, and that's hard. And then we have this struggle on the inside. But that principle right there, that golden rule, is actually the foundation for the Christian life and a lot of the teaching that comes through and what Jesus is saying here as we build our foundation on him. And what we're going to be talking about this morning is how do we do right in the face of wrong? Because it's not something that comes naturally to us, is it? I know it's not, certainly not something that comes naturally to me. How do we do what's right in the face of wrong? And why should we do what's right in the face of wrong? We're going to actually answer both those questions today. And we're going to be looking at one of the most difficult things to understand that Jesus ever said. So are you ready this morning? All right, let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading from verse 38. Jesus speaking. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Verse 42. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Right throughout history, this passage of Scripture has perplexed people from the most devout Christians right through to the atheists. They don't get why Jesus would teach something like this. It just seems like the wrong thing. You know, don't resist an evil person. Well, aren't we meant to resist evil? And so to be able to make sense of any passage of Scripture, and I really love it when people say, I don't like the Bible because it's full of contradictions. I say, really? What's your favorite one? Let's talk about it. And of course they can't answer because they don't know what their favorite contradiction is because they haven't actually read it. They're just repeating something else that someone else has said to them. Because the truth is, with Scripture, 
When we take the Bible in a holistic approach, in other words, when we read it in its entirety and understand the context and how it all fits together, there is no contradiction. It flows together in perfect unity. But sometimes we don't always understand why it was said or who it was being said to or the historical environment. So we're going to unpack that this morning. We're going to understand, to understand this passage, we need to know the intent of what Jesus was teaching. Why was he teaching it? Who was he teaching? What was their environment? So in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was teaching his followers. And these people had been given guidance from the religious leaders of the day about what to do to please God. They've been given a whole list of do's and don'ts. Do this to please God. If you don't do that, you will displease God. It was a, a, a legalistic point of view. But the thing was is that there were laws that were introduced and they were introduced for good reason because to care about others, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, that's the foundation of all the law. But the problem is, is what had happened, the religious leaders of the time had translated that law and instead of it being about why the law was written in the first place, they'd, become, they'd made it all about appearances. It was all, all about looking good. It was all about the surface. And if you have a look at the New Testament and the Gospels, Jesus gets stuck into the religious people all the time. This was something that he was wanting to bring to the surface and be able to uncover. So the context Jesus is teaching his followers here is that he's actually contrasting what his followers have been taught and what he's teaching them. He's teaching them the difference between what you do on the outside to look good and appear like you're pleasing God and actually pleasing God. And right through this passage here, this is just one small part of it, but to give you that context, he's been teaching about what that looks like for adultery, what that looks like for anger, what that looks like for divorce, what that looks like about how you treat your enemies. There's a whole context here. So it gives us a bit of more dimension about it. And this passage that we've just read is about injury. It's about injury about what they've taught about what they used to do when they were injured and what Jesus wants us to do now. And in the whole flow of the Sermon on the Mount, right through Matthew 5, right through to 7, Jesus is teaching us about our motives, the motives of our heart, and that what pleases God or displeases God is what goes on in our heart. It's in our thoughts. It's in our mind. It's in our character. That's what pleases God. So verse 38, let's unpack it now. You have heard the law says, the punishment must, must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, this is actually a law that had been around in Israel for a long time. In fact, it predates Israel back to civilization at that time. It was a very common law that you repaid for exactly what happened to you. And there was a reason why. It's actually quite a logical reason why. And that is that if someone came and stole your wallet, you weren't allowed to go and then kill their children to get revenge. Or if someone murdered someone in your family, they wouldn't get off with a good behavior bond. So that's actually the philosophy behind the law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That's the reason why the law was in place. So at first, what Jesus is teaching here, it doesn't seem to be very just at all. In fact, it seems to be quite illogical and it doesn't make any sense. But as we start to delve a little bit deep, we're going to start to understand the reason why Jesus said what he said. 
Verse 39, let's keep going. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. So what does Jesus mean? Does he mean that we can't defend ourselves? Does he mean that? Does he mean we have to be weak and submissive and put up with abuse and exploitation? Is that what Jesus is saying here? So in able to be able to answer that question, let's look at Jesus' life in context. Was Jesus weak and submissive? Did he ever defend himself? Look at how he overturned the tables in the temple because of he was angry that people were being exploited when they were coming to worship God. Did he ever defend himself? Not at the cross, no. But he did defend himself when it, people tried to kill him and it wasn't, beyond, it wasn't his time yet. And he also defended himself against the enemy with the word of God. So how did he defend himself? He defended with the word, not with violence, but with the word. So how do we understand what Jesus was saying to us as his followers here? So we're going to go to the next level now and understand what the word resist means. What does it mean? What was Jesus saying? Do not resist an evil person. And it's interesting when you go to the Greek that you find out that the definition of this word in the original language as Jesus intended it is different to our understanding of what resistance means. So let's have a look. What's the definition? All right, you ready for the Oka pronunciation of this awesome Greek word? Anthesti. Ah, I got it wrong. Try again. I even practiced too. Anthesti. And what this word means is I set against, I withstand, resist, or oppose. And in fact, when you look at the context of the language of Greek at that time, this was a military term in classical Greek meaning to strongly resist an opponent. So it's actually a term that was used to refer in a war context. So what Jesus was saying is he's talking about retaliation in the sense of a battle. And Jesus is saying, don't make people who attack you your opponent to fight against. Ah, now it's starting to make more sense. That, that makes sense. So on the surface, the teaching seems to us a little unjust and it's about giving in to lose, but it's not. Jesus is not teaching about losing. He is teaching us how to win. We're going to find out that when we do what's right in the face of wrong, we always win. We always win. It might not happen straight away, but we always win in Christ. And we're going to find out that what Jesus is teaching us here is actually all about justice. It's all about God's justice. We know Jesus is telling us not to retaliate or take revenge, but many people interpret the verses to mean that we need to be submissive to evil, to be a doormat. What he's actually doing is he's painting a picture to be able to help us understand. He's describing to his followers how to maintain their integrity without fighting back, without making the attacker your opponent, without giving in to the temptation of taking their bait to fight back and without reducing yourself to their level. So what Jesus describes is anything but weak, passive or submissive. He's describing what action we need to take based on real life examples with stories that people can relate to. So let's have a look now at some practical ways we can do right in the face of wrong. Verse 39 says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. 
So let's just imagine what that's like. Someone has just come and hit you. Okay, so a, a, a resistance or a retaliation would be to hit back, yeah? That's, that's probably a natural response. Another response is just to run away. But what does Jesus tell us to do? Stand in that place of strength and courage and turn that other cheek. And what that is doing is that it's not fueling that battle. It's not starting a war. It's allowing the strength of God to rise up on the inside of us and to do what's right in the face of wrong. Let's go a little deeper. Jesus is describing about how to respond to the person who abuses you. Abuse is evil. There is nothing right about abuse. Jesus does not condone abuse. And abuse can take many forms. Jesus is teaching us how to respond when it happens. And remember the context again. Let's always remember the context. Jesus is describing what, what good looks like to God. He's teaching us about our motives and how to do what's right on the inside rather than what appears right on the outside. He used an example of slapping on the face because that was something that was done back then in that time to insult somebody. So he's making a relatable story. So let's just bring it into our world. So let's think about an example of abuse. We're not going to go into something that's too heavy. And the reason for that is because not everyone can relate to it. And also people who have been through serious abuse, it's very, very disturbing and upsetting for them to have to hear something like that. So we're going to actually use a more lighthearted example this morning of something that we've all gone through. It's called the silent treatment. Has anyone ever been abused by someone with the silent treatment? Okay. Well, it's actually now defined as a form of bullying. And do you know why it's a form of bullying? The silent treatment is about demeaning somebody else. It's about belittling somebody else and, and devaluing who that person is. It's not treating someone with respect to give them the silent treatment. Okay. We've all been treated by someone. Maybe we've done it to other people. But in God's eyes, it's not right. So let's have a think about that. Just say someone's treating you with the silent treatment. It could be a boss. It could be someone in your family. It could be someone you love. And they're giving you the silent treatment. There are three ways that we can respond. We can retaliate. We can be submissive. Or we can have the action that Jesus wants us to have. So what are some revenge options? Do you ever have revenge options when someone's giving you the silent treatment? I know I do. I think of all sorts of ways I can get back at them. I'm not saying I do it. I'm just saying they cross my mind. Okay. So what are some of the options that I may have thought of myself? Okay, you can plan how to hurt them back. You can plan how to belittle them. You can ignore them back. Pretend they're not there too. That works. You can undermine them. You can argue with them. You can embarrass them. Or you can just make small little digs at them in front of everybody else, which is often what happens from my personal experience. Okay, so that's the retaliation response. This is an example. Let's have a look at it as submissive response. What's a submissive response if someone's giving you the silent treatment? You can be sad. You can avoid them. You can try and pacify them. Or you can buckle to their demands and manipulation. But Jesus doesn't want us to be submissive to abuse. Let's have a look at what an active response is. One of the best things you can do if someone's giving you this silent treatment is to act as though they are not. It works really well. So they don't talk to you when they come in. They go and sit in another room. 
the best thing you can possibly do, walk in with a big smile and say, good morning. How are you going today? That's awesome. If it's a situation at work, you give your, your work, your heart and soul that day. You do good in the face of wrong. And what we find is that when we have this positive action, where it's action, where it's not retaliation and it's not submission, but it's action is what God wants to do, what we find is that we're actually turning the other cheek. What, you want to be rude to me? You want to ignore me? You want me to, to make me feel like dirt? No problem. I'm going to stand in your presence. Slap me again. I'm going to keep standing here and I'm going to keep doing what's right because I'm here to please the Lord and to live my life according to what He wants me to do. There is great strength in turning the other cheek. There is not weakness here that Jesus is describing. This is talking about our motives. This is talking about what's going on on the inside of us. When we feel like retaliating, when we feel like giving, getting even, Jesus is saying, no, don't stoop to their level. You stand in my word. You stand in what I've called you to do and I will bring you justice. We get strength from God's joy. We don't let them get to us. We'll know that God will bring justice in the end. And you know what? You're giving that person the opportunity to change. You're giving that person the opportunity to grow. You're giving that person the opportunity to see what good luck looks like because, you know, God loves that person too. They are valuable in his sight. This is what good looks like in God's eyes. So who wins? If you've got one person, just say it's an office environment, you've got one person who's giving someone the silent treatment, they're excluding you from their emails, they're not talking to you, they're giving other people over you opportunities that are normally your job just because they're mad at you because you've done something to annoy them, and you're still performing, you're still being professional, you're still being polite, what does the rest of the team see? What gets exposed? It's the abuse that gets exposed. But if you retaliate, it just looks like one person against the other. And you see, this is how we win by doing right in the face of what's wrong. And rather than making an opponent, you've helped the other person. All right, I've got another abuse story here. It actually happened to me on the train. Okay, now I didn't make a very good decision because I sat on a silent carriage I'm a country bumpkin from Shell Harbour and I do not catch the train very often. And I was catching the train for work, to work for the very first time in my life. Oh, I wonder what a silent carriage is. So I'm going in there and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm not driving. I can make a phone call. <laughs> Wrong thing to do. I know I've got some regular commuters at work. and like, I, sat, I sat on a silent carriage and I upset someone. They said, Suzanne, you didn't make a phone call. I'm like, yes, I did. But there was no signs telling me that I couldn't. It just said it was a silent carriage. So I'm talking very quietly on the phone. Makes sense to me. Anyway, all I was doing was making a very quick hairdresser's appointment that I've been wanting to do for weeks and I had time to do it because I've been so busy. Anyway, this lady came up while I'm on the phone and starts telling me off. Making a lot more noise than me, I might add. Anyway, I was a little bit... So I'm like, okay, yeah, no worries. So then I, I went and <laughs> sat down the other end where I thought nobody else could hear me, but it apparently was technically still in the silent carriage. It was away from everyone else anyway. That was time as my physiotherapist. I'm on the phone of my physiotherapist. She comes up to me and she says, she stands over me. What part of quiet do you not understand? She was very scary. So as she's talking, I'm going through a whole heap and, you know, just, you should know. And I'm, 
went on and on and I'm praying. While she's talking, I don't actually remember what she said after that because I'm praying. Holy Spirit, help me respond in a way that's not retaliation, but it's not submissive either. Because it was wrong what she was doing to me. She was being awful and horrible and abusive on the train. I said, Holy Spirit, what do I say? So this is what I said. It was God's idea, not mine. I wouldn't have come up with it very well myself. I looked her in the eye and I said, I am so sorry that I have upset you so much. But this is my first time on a quiet carriage and I am still learning. (laughs) Isn't God clever? He's awesome. I would never have thought of saying that. So what I was doing is still having a humble heart, still not wanting to devalue her, not wanting to retaliate, but I was also not being passive and submissive and just putting up with the way she was treating me either and bringing her own behavior to her attention. I felt like saying, well, you're making a lot more noise than what I am. And I could have done that and I could have embarrassed her and retaliated, but I didn't. So praise God. So in God's eyes, this is what good looks like. Who wins? What does everyone else see? The evil gets exposed and rather than making an opponent, you may have helped the other person and changed the future. This is awesome. His word is just so powerful. So let's look at the next example Jesus gave. Verse 40. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. So to bring it into context, to be out so we can relate to that example Jesus gave at that time, Jesus is talking about how to respond to the person who persecutes you. And persecution can take many forms. It can turn into prosecution. And Jesus is not condoning persecution. He's teaching us how to respond when it happens. Remember the context. Jesus is describing what good looks like to God. He's teaching us about our motives and how to do what's right on the inside rather than what appears right on the outside. So an example of persecution that we can all relate to here in Australia is that if someone is saying something about you that's untrue. So I want you to imagine if you've ever had that happen at work or at school or in any other circumstance. There's someone who's just got it in for you and they are saying nasty things about you. For people who might have a prominent role, it might have been an attack and slander in the media. For you, you might have experienced it on social media. There's lots of ways that people can persecute you, saying harmful things about you that are untrue. So let's have a look at it again, applying the intent behind what Jesus is saying. We can have a revenge response. We can say bad things back, just say it's on social media. You know, you can retaliate online. There's lots of damage that can be done with your words. And that's often what happens because, you know, today, even more than ever before, it only takes a split second of type, 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 enter, and then it's out. It's very different to actually saying something with your words, isn't it? So we're living in that, that world where it's very easy to say things and retaliate. And what usually happens when we respond to someone who's saying things about us that are untrue, and when we retaliate, what happens is, what typically happens is you end up with two camps, you know, with people who are standing up for that person and people who are standing up for that person. And unfortunately, I can say I've seen this happen a lot in the church. There's conflict. This person gathers up this group of people over here, and this person gathers up that these people over here and it creates a rift and it creates strife 
And you know, we've all fallen into that temptation, but the encouraging thing is today is that there is a better way. There is another way. Jesus doesn't want us to retaliate. A way that we can be submissive, our submissive response could be that we can believe what they're saying about us. They put something on, wow, what if that is true? That's to that persecution. We could come under their intimidation. We can accept their words or we can just pretend it's not there. That was my response a lot in high school. I was bullied and people said all sorts of things about me. And my mum gave me another saying, which in this case is wrong. And what she used to say was, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that wasn't true. The words hurt me quite deeply. And I thought as a Christian that I had to just put up with it and not defend myself and not stand up. And that actually did a lot of damage in me. And I'm, poor mum, I'm not blaming you, darling. It's just an example, in case you're listening to the podcast. My mum's awesome. <laughs> so that's a submissive response. So if someone's saying harmful things about you that are untrue, what's an active response that you can take? How do you turn the other cheek in this case? So let's have a look. What if you continue to speak well of them? What would that do? They're spewing out all this stuff about you and you're speaking well of them. You don't have to make things up that are not true, but you can find something about that person that you can say that's positive. If they're rude in front of people, you can be humble and confident in return. Showing wisdom and grace in being assertive, knowing that their words are a reflection of them, not you. We can get strength from God's joy. We can not let them get to us and know that God will bring us justice in the end. This is what good looks like. And who wins? What does everybody else see? The evil's obvious when it's one person spewing it out. The moment we retaliate, the moment no one knows which direction it's coming from. But if we have the strength of character not to retaliate, God soon exposes that evil. And again, we're giving that person the opportunity to change. If you say nice things back, they might actually see, wow, I'm in the wrong there and apologize. And that can be what happens. Rather than making an opponent, you may have helped the other person and changed the future. Verse 41. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. This was in the day where a Roman soldier could approach anybody in the street, poke them with their spear and get them to carry their gear for them. So in this case, Jesus is saying, you know, what do you do? How do you respond to the person who's exploiting you? So this, this verse here is about exploitation. So we've got abuse, persecution and exploitation. Exploitation makes many forms. Jesus is not condoning exploitation. He's teaching us how to respond when it happens. Remember the context. Jesus is describing what good looks like to God. He's teaching us about our motives and how to do what's right on the inside rather than what appears right on the outside. So let's have a think about it. In our world today, someone's exploited you. Someone's stolen something from you. It might be that they've stolen your idea. Might be that they've stolen your money. Might be that they've stolen your time. There's lots of things that people can do to exploit us. Might be that they've stolen your heart. They might have exploited you emotionally, been in a relationship with that person. They've just stomped all over your heart. They've exploited you. There's so many ways. 
So let's have a look at a practical example. I'm just going to use again, I'm going to use a light-hearted one that's happened to me recently. Somebody stole my idea. I was at work and I'm still not, even after 12 months, I'm still not quite used to not working in a Christian environment where everyone uplifts each other and, you know, you guys are awesome. Love this church. And Suzanne, being Suzanne, got this new idea and started sharing it with one of my colleagues about all this idea and this cool tool that we could build and whatever. This person took that idea and they went to, right above my head to the deputy commissioner and it ended up going badly for me. And I was so angry. And I must confess that I wasn't feeling very, um, like being very actively Christianly responsive right at that moment in time. But I thank God. So let's have a look. What, what can you do? So revenge response. You can take something back. You can tear down their character. You can get personal, threaten them, or try and hurt them in some way. What a, what's a submissive response? If someone takes something from you, you can just let them have it. Let them have it and not do anything at all. And you know what? This really depends on the situation. It depends on you and God. This is just to get you thinking this morning. It's an active response. And I think that I'm a real firm believer in setting healthy boundaries. If someone does something like that to you, it's okay not to trust that person again. You don't have to keep on giving to them. But what can help sometimes if someone's hurt you like that, it's very easy to just shut off and say, I'm never going to share that with someone again. I'm never going to do that again. One of the best things you can do is to give again. But don't necessarily give to that person. Give to someone else. You know, once when I was really hurt by someone who said and did something to me, I then decided I'm going to text somebody else who really blesses me and just encourage them today. And if I've texted you and encouraged you, it's not necessarily because someone's upset you, all right? I'm just putting that out there today. Okay. But it just gives an example of what we can do. So in my case at work, I'm not going to stop coming up with new ideas and I'm not going to stop sharing them. I'm just going to find the, the colleagues that are going to work with me as a team to be able to work together. And you know what? In that particular example, you know, I learned from the experience. I learned to approach it differently next time. I didn't wrestle over the wrong. I've got to keep doing what's right. I've got to get strength from God's joy. Not let them get to you. Know that God will bring you justice in the end. And in the end, in that particular situation, he did bring me justice because I ended up developing the tool and we got a new deputy commissioner and God was amazing. And so that's what happens when we don't retaliate. Sometimes we've got to wait. Sometimes it looks like people get away. They get away with, it feels like they get away with terrible things in our life. But what I've learned this is when you do what's right, God always brings justice in the end. Sometimes it is a long wait, but he always does. This is what good looks like. Who wins? What does everyone else see? The evil gets exposed, and rather than making an opponent, you may have helped the other person and changed the future. Just as I begin to close tonight, in verse 42, you see Jesus is painting a picture to describe to his followers how to maintain your integrity without fighting back, without making the attack of your opponent, without giving in to the temptation of taking their bait to fight back and without reducing you yourself to their level. Jesus said in verse 42, Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Jesus is talking in these verses about how to respond to the person who wants to take from you. Remember the context. Jesus is describing what good looks like to God and teaching us about our motives and how to do what's right on the inside 
rather than what appears right on the outside. Love the musicians to come. Romans 12 verse 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And just as we close, I'd love to share one of the most powerful examples in history of when someone did this on a large scale that affected a whole nation. And that was Martin Luther King Jr. African Americans were treated abominably. They were exploited, they were abused, they were persecuted continually. And in standing up for what was right in the face of what was wrong, in a non-violent way, required King to go through great sacrifice. And he didn't get justice straight away. He had to face many battles. His little children were attacked. He was beaten, repeatedly thrown in jail. He refused to fight back. When he persisted in leaning the cause of justice with no retaliation... In time, the world finally came to see where the evil was coming from. And you know how that happened. There was a crowd of African Americans and some white policemen came in in South America and started attacking them with weapons and hitting them over the head. And there was a whole row of white people around this situation cheering and laughing and had this mob mentality that they were just going to destroy these people and they thought it was all a big joke. Horrendous abuse. And they did not fight back because King was so passionate about resisting with nonviolence. And do you know what happened on that night? That night where those people were being completely abused, unfairly, unjustly treated worse than animals. Do you know what happened? There was a movie on the ABC that night and it was showing what happened in Nazi Germany to the Jews. And in the middle of that movie was interrupted with a broadcast from what was happening to those African-American people. And it came on the screen. And what America saw that night was that what had happened in Nazi Germany was happening right there on their own soil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because if you don't retaliate, in the end, the evil is exposed. This is a quote from Philip Yancey's book, Soul Survivor. He said, King clung to nonviolence because he profoundly believed that only a movement based on love could keep the oppressed from becoming a mirror image of their oppressors. He wanted to change the hearts of the white people, yes, but in a way that did not process, in the process, harden the hearts of the African Americans as he was leading towards freedom. Nonviolence, he believed, will save the Negro from seeking to substitute one tyranny for another. You see, this is what good looks like to God. Who wins? Who wins when we do right in the face of wrong? Tonight, David Walker is going to be sharing about Rwanda. It will be confronting. It will be challenging. But I love the heart that David and Nicole have for that nation. They've shared a lot of resources with me. I've watched videos and read books and really opened my eyes where you had a tribe of the Hutu with a horrible, uh, just horrendous genocide against the Tutsi people. It was a racial discrimination that turned into this mass, mass, mass murder, murder and torture. That's going to be a powerful story that's going to change people's lives tonight. 
but it's another case where now those tutsis are going through a process of forgiving. You know, you've got neighbors, neighbors who their neighbors killed their whole family. They're the only one left and they're, they're living near that person now and walking in a place of forgiveness. That's the strength that comes. Cliff, I love what you bring to our church with what you share about the persecuted church overseas. It's just so amazing and I love what you shared about the story of those Christians that, that were doing what was right in the prison and they were honouring and they were loving and they ended up having favour from a Muslim leader who then ordered in Bibles and resources to be able to train up the Christians. That's the love of Christ. That's turning the other cheek. That's doing what's right in the face of wrong, not retaliating. It's what the enemy, you see it all over the world where you see people retaliating. These people attack me, so I'm going to attack them back and everyone gets caught up in the war and in the retaliation. No one can see which side the evil's coming from until we stand in the face of what's wrong and do what's right. That is what changes the world. And it's the only thing that changes the world. Because what does everyone else see? The evil gets exposed. And rather than making opponents and starting a war, we can help the people attacking us with evil. Change for the better. We can change the future. We can see true transformation take place. Let's bow our heads and pray. Maybe you've been struggling with thoughts towards people who have done evil things to you. Maybe you've thought that you have to be submissive and put up with the evil. Or maybe you've been giving in to the temptation of retaliation and revenge. Maybe you've been lacking the courage to stand up and do what's right. It doesn't matter where you are today because the truth is, Holy Spirit is here and right, I can see it now. Right now, he's giving you strategies. He's showing you what action he wants you to take, what action Jesus wants you to take what he wants you to do in that situation. I can just see it now. You're just lifting up those situations to him in your life. And Jesus is he's showing you. You're getting a revelation. It's a revelation from heaven. It's not your idea. It's his. To show you how you can make a difference. To see his justice prevail. God's idea of good. God's justice. We're all going to say a prayer this morning just as we come to that place where we remember that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives. And if you've never prayed this prayer this morning, and you want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, this is your opportunity to invite him in. If you've walked away from him, you might be coming to church for years, but you know in your heart you've walked away from the Lord. You don't really know him. Take this opportunity today to receive him in, invite him in, ask for his forgiveness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins I need your supernatural strength I believe Jesus is the son of God I believe he died for me and rose again so that I could live for you give me your ability to do what's right in the face of wrong Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
you can look up this morning. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time or if you've never been taken through a discipleship relationship where someone comes alongside you and learns to follow Jesus together, we have our Next Step station up the back where we have an awesome team of people who would love to support you in your walk with Christ. And I just want to say today, don't let pride get in the way. This is part of the Christian walk, doing life together, learning from each other. I'm a disciple. We're all learning to follow Jesus together. That's all a disciple is, following Jesus together, learning from each other. Amen.